Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get adoseofhope.com. Today's guest is Bruce Smith. Bruce's passion is to glorify God by helping people reach their life goals through meaningful vocations. Having spent the last 20 years in the recruiting industry, Bruce has learned a great deal about how to help people navigate the career process and helping him see how they are God's masterpiece created for good works. Bruce earned his Bachelor of Science in Accounting from the University of Georgia and currently lives in the city of Norcross, Georgia with his wife, Carolee, and three teenage children. In his spare time, Bruce really enjoys trail running, leading worship in his church through piano, guitar, and harmonica. Bruce Smith and Robert have shared ministerial backgrounds in their journey, and now Bruce is creating tools to help churches and nonprofits provide job search tools and job opportunities as a service to their communities. Bruce believes you can build a community and then create content to serve them. Well, Bruce, thanks for jumping on the show today. I'm looking forward to uh, learning about you and your journey and sharing with our audience. Fantastic. Robert, I'm excited to be here. So uh, we can jump right in however you want to go. Yeah. So typically, I just let each guest share their their entrepreneurial journey and uh, what got them to what they're working on today. Okay. Well, I, that, that, that can be a long story, short one, because there's a couple of them. <laughs> so uh, I'll try to keep it a little bit short. So uh, I started my career as a CPA um, and enjoyed doing accounting work moderately until a managing partner said, hey, Bruce, um, you're really not cut out for this. You might want to do something uh, other than public accounting. Ouch. But, uh, it was a great training ground. So um, I, I value the accounting experience. What I learned about that was some advice that was given to me is accounting is the language of business. If you understand accounting, you can really apply that to any business you're in. And especially for an entrepreneur, I'll tell you, that comes in handy and saves a ton of money. So I'm lucky to have that in my pocket. Um, so when I left uh, public accounting, I actually started a company was uh, in phone cards. So we were selling, basically selling time uh, on, on you know, those little debit cards, right? So um, uh, we did that for a little while, had no idea the you know, what I was getting into. So we're, you know, buying time for six cents a minute and selling it for eight cents a minute. So, um, you know, talking about selling pennies and, uh, we're, you know, pennies by the minute. So that was an interesting experience. Sold that company. Then I got into um, recruiting. So I had done recruiting for a while with a big firm and then, you know, left that after a while and started my own. So second business that I started was a search firm. And really enjoyed that. I did that for about a year. 
didn't make a whole lot of money because that's when the dot-com bubble burst. And so I probably did one search in a year, which doesn't pay the bills. And that's when we probably, I think we were having our second child. So uh, I got into the staffing business. So back into corporate America doing staffing. So uh, those are all contractors. Did that for a while, uh, really had some success there. So why not do it myself? So I left and did it myself. So I started a staffing firm with a couple other a, a couple other folks. Did that for five years and sold it. So um, really enjoyed the staffing business. Did okay when I sold that company. Uh, and uh, and then I stayed with the acquirer for about three years. So let's uh, so along the way in the recruiting business, in the business world, I really had a passion for helping people find jobs. Uh, which is how you and I got connected. So um, about five years ago, four years ago, 2017, I bought a company called The Job Connection, which is a software platform that we deploy at churches, which helps connect employers with job seekers within a church's community. So whatever, however you want to define that community, and we, we typically say it's a 25-mile radius. So think about it as a job board that we deploy in micro markets. Um, so, um, I'll use a good example. Willow Creek, uh, was one of the first users of the platform and they've been on since 2003. So they have a care ministry, uh, employers are looking to hire talent. We've got job seekers within that Chicago area, uh, that are involved in that ministry. We're able to connect them. So what, what, what's so different about that and what's so special about it? Well, what's, What's special about it is it allows an employer to find faith-minded job seekers. If you find any value in that, then that's where you'd find those, those people. It also gives a church a tool to help job seekers find jobs. So that is, that's the whole purpose about, uh, for the job connection. And we deploy that at churches all over the country. So I've been doing that basically on the side for the last five years and just loving it. So it taps into my uh, passion for helping people find jobs. It taps into my passion for technology, which I just love technology. It taps into my passion for uh, ministry. And it taps into my passion for just connecting people uh, with careers. So uh, really have enjoyed that. Now, um, uh, what, I, what I would say about that is the fact that it has tapped into all my passions really makes it a meaningful uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. So I've, I've realized, so I'm 58 years old and you can, you might want to cut that out or leave it in. I don't know what you want to do with that, but uh, so I'm a little old to be being an entrepreneur, but um, the, the thing that I've learned is there really isn't enough money to motivate me to do something I don't want to do. Right. I just, it's just not, there's just, it's, it's just not important to me. Life is too short and I've got so many other passions and some of the things that are more important to me than to burn my time for money. So uh, I enjoy making money to follow my passion, but not just to waste my time or to spend my time. So that's, um, that's kind of where, how I've landed to where I am today. And what I also do is I advise people, and this is just a side note, if you're like over the age of 50, it would be a good idea to find an alternative form of self-employment. So you might be in a great job and that's fantastic. But, you know, the older you get, the less employable you get. So you, so it's, I think it's important to find ways to employ yourself. So whether that's a side gig, whether that's consulting, whether that's buying a franchise, I mean, you name it, 
just being creative about that and owning that, owning your career, I think is really important. And that's where, you know, that kind of draws on the individual's entrepreneurial capabilities, skills, passions to do that. So that's where I am today, Robert. Nice. Well, I, I like what you're saying there. I mean, definitely not just age related. I think every, every American should own a business. Every, yeah. In, yeah. in some in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a small little side hustle or there's just so much value in in owning a business and running a business, but also using a business to create a stream of income that yes. that is that is you know set aside from whatever corporate government whatever entity that happens to be paying your bills today. Um, is is so valuable. And so I am a firm believer in, in what you're saying. So let's explore that. You mentioned franchise. You mentioned, you know, for someone that's that's working a nine to five and feels like I don't have any time, I could never do anything. Right. You know, what what <laughs> what would you recommend? How, how would they go about getting getting a, another stream of income, another side hustle? Yeah, so that's going to be kind of um, unique to each situation, right? Some people have, um, you know, nine to five jobs that really lock them in. Like they can't leave. They really can't do anything uh, personal on their time. I mean, their time is owned. Um, there's a there's a great book that I, I got some great ideas from. It's the four hour work week, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that four hour work yep. week. Um, so I, I don't necessarily believe and agree with his his motivation for having a four hour work week. Cause I have no desire to travel the world and take dancing le lessons and, you know, in Spain and, and do all that. I'm, I'm loving where I'm living with my family, digging roots here in Norcross, Georgia. But what he talks about is how to leverage your time, how to leverage other resources to be more productive in the job you're in to free up, you know, your week to devote to maybe more uh, entrepreneurial things. So reading that book just kind of helped me open my creative thinking around what a side hustle might look like. And that might just be four hours a week. It might be something at night. Um, it might be kind of gaining a new skill. I mean, gaining new skills. I mean, um, around, you know, web development, you know, doing online selling, uh, doing anything with some new technology. If you can spend four hours a week doing that, I think that's 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 huge. So that would be step one, kind of learning new skills and trying to apply them to the experience you already have or the education and training you already have. So what is it that you're doing or that you've experienced in your career where you can package that, sell it, serve others, um, consult or maybe build a product around? Uh, that could produce either equity over time or an income stream. So I think that's where, that's where I would start. Yeah. What I did, uh, so what I did is I bought, I bought the software company, right? So it was relatively small, so I could afford it. Um, mm -hmm. So I bought somebody else, somebody else's platform where they were just ready to kind of move on to other things. And it was opportunistic. And I said, hey, this fits right in my sweet spot. Um, gives me some challenges. I can learn about it, but I bought into it. I bought into a... a, a a stream of income. So don't overlook opportunities to either buy a small company, buy a consulting practice, you know, buy something small. There's, there's a hundred ways to buy someone out. You don't just have to write a check. You know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do to creatively 
uh, you know, buy a business. So, well, and certainly the idea of buying, you know, even, even why would, you know, you're like, some people might be listening saying, well, why would a, a software guy want to sell right at, right at the beginning? And, and the truth is there's, there's innovators, right? There's, yeah. there's people that love, love the creative right. aspect. And once they've created, they, they're bored and they're done with it. And, That's right. and, and they're, you know, they need to pass it on to somebody yeah. who wants to take it to the next level. And there's, yeah. there's tons of that kind of opportunity out there if you're, if you're looking for it. And so being open and available to say, wow, I'd be willing to take something that somebody else just got wound up and, and I get to help unwind it and, and, and deploy yeah. it. And Especially so technology, right? So it's one thing to create a great tool. It's another thing to find a customer, right? <laughs> Two very different skill sets. Just because it's a really cool tool, if nobody knows about it, nobody's buying. So if you have selling skills and maybe not technology skills, you know, find somebody who's already built it and you sell it, right? So um, that's that's something you may have a great idea, but somebody if somebody else has already built it, just buy it and um, and you can be the sales engine for that or the marketing engine, which is a big, big deal. Right. There's a lot of technology people out there that do not want to pick up the phone. Right. <laughs> they uh, they just want to stay in the dark and develop and God love them. Um, but uh, there's there's a big need for someone to sell. In, in, our, in our world, we say nothing happens to, until somebody sells something. Right. So. Well, or, or you put it out there, right? I mean, yeah. you've got to, you got to put offers out. You got to, you got to, you know, uh, Seth Godin talks about um, shipping it, right? You got to ship it. Right. <laughs> if you're not shipping it, if you're not putting, you know, if, if it's not getting into a customer's hands in some way, shape or form, you, not a product. you, you don't have anything. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. So challenging. So obviously a lot of what you've done, a lot of your experience is based around connection and, and the value of connection. So let's, let's dig into uh, making connections. And then I, I hate the word using connections. So I, I, I want to think of just adding value to connections, maybe on, on your side, right? Giving, giving back to the connections to continue building relationship, but just the power of relationship in business building. Yeah. So, um, you know, back in, boy, I'm trying to think back. Uh, I, I've kept a digital Rolodex as long as I can remember, and I never delete a name. Now, my my laptop might delete a name, but I've never deleted a name. So um, even before LinkedIn came out and, you know, I had a Palm Pilot and then I had whatever, you know, a BlackBerry. And so I've, I've kind of been relentless about keeping track of people that I meet. And so I, I meet Robert and I say, OK, met Robert at Wendy's, you know, and uh, he works at some supply. I don't know. So I just kind of put notes in there. That's so when I see Robert, I'm, I'm like, who was Robert? Oh, yeah, I met you at Wendy's and you, you're the guy that does something anyway. But um, so in the recruiting business, relationships are everything. So everyone's either a future customer or a candidate. That's the way I think in in the recruiting business. And I would also think about that in kind of anything else I do. Everybody I meet is either a future could either be a future customer or a candidate. So someone that I sell to or someone I don't say buy, but that would I can support I can can be part of a solution. So um, that's how I approach relationships. And it's, it's for me, it's a long game, right? I, I think in terms of marathons, not sprints. So you and I, Robert, this may be the first time we meet, but I've always been surprised after whatever, 58 years of, life, of living, how those relationships come back around. And they oh. inevitably do, right? 
all of the craziest places, you know, suddenly Robert shows up hot, you know, what, what a small world. We have that uh, relationship in place or that is shared experience and we can go from there. So, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out to people that you've met and asking for help, right? People love to be asked for help. Uh, and, but as long as you're transparent and say, look, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, I'm in this new job and I'm trying to learn more about how to sell the software or I'm, I'm starting this company and, you know, I haven't figured out all the answers. Right. So but I think you might have some answers for me. So people love being asked for help. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, Robert, would you mind being a customer? Would you mind testing my new sandwich that we're selling? Would you mind you know, being part of this being a successful business? Because I, you know, uh, it's important to me that this is successful. I think you'd love to see me succeed. So um, um, that's super valuable. I mean, I think, you know, especially in the in the church community, in the faith community, I think there's a lot of people that want to maintain this this separation, right? You keep church in a box and you keep your your you know work in a box and then there's there's entrepreneurs that are keeping their work in a box yeah but yeah. they've got a network of of a hundred people in the church that know them and love them that's but right. they don't have any idea what they do yeah that's right that's right so, <laughs> yeah so i you know and i think some people look people are different so if i reached out into our church the church i go to now and asked for help right some uh, and if it was for my work, you know, some people embrace that and some people might be, I don't know about offended, but they'd say, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. So and, and, and either way is fine, but, it, but you yeah. got to put yourself out there. I agree. I you, agree. You've got a community of people that love the Lord. They love you. And why wouldn't they want to help you if right. but so many people are afraid to ask? Right. Yes. Oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, what we're finding now is even churches, um, are looking for ways to be relevant, right? Being relevant in the community. And even with the Java Connection, we're trying to help churches be relevant and speak into the employer job seeker relationship. And why shouldn't, why shouldn't the church do that, right? Why shouldn't they have some sort of voice or influence in what that relationship will ultimately look like? It, you know, it may be, it may just be speaking the word of truth, uh, speaking the gospel into that I'll call it a marriage, right? Um, between, between in that relationship, because that's going to be a long-term, hopefully a long-term relationship, but there's no reason that your church can't be part of that and, and be relevant in that conversation. Well, and certainly I, I hope that the majority of churches are saying, if there's an opportunity for us to connect our congregants with job opportunities, we want to jump on that yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. because we want to make sure that they're well-employed Yes. A, because they take better care of their family if they're well-employed, but B, they could take better care of the church if they're well-employed. And so it's that, how's that not a win-win, you know, situation for, for the church, for the church family and yeah. for employers that are looking for, for people, you know, that, that are going to have a different level yeah. of commitment yes. and a different level of faith. And, and yeah. you know, that's not to say that everybody in the church is going to be a perfect employee, but I think your odds are increased if if you're looking for a certain group of people that that this is the place you're going to find them. That's right. And, you know, work is a redemptive act. Right, Robert. So, oh, I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. what, you know, God created us and called us to work the earth. And so just the, the very act of work is redeeming, redeeming the world, redeeming our communities, which is, you know, such an amazing gift 
to have and an amazing calling. And it's what we do every day. So um, I, I, I'm starting to read a, a book now. It's called Total Truth and an amazing book. And, and, and in the front of it is a quote by Francis Schaeffer where he says, um, and, and I'll, I'll botch this, but the, uh, uh, it says something like, you know, Christianity is not a list of truths. Christianity is truth. And so it's not a list of great ideas and some great philosophy. It is truth. It's total truth. And it covers not only Sunday, but Monday. So um, what we believe and act and how we act in church should be exactly what we believe and act on Monday when we're working. Even so, even more so. Yes. Like, yeah. I consider Sundays the Sundays the fuel me up opportunity, right? But but the idea is if you fuel me up that the idea that I'm supposed to run it out during the week and, yes. and Monday, Monday means I've got the fullest tank. Like if I've done it right, Monday, yeah. my tank is the fullest and yes. I better be, I better be putting it to work. And, and right. our culture has created this idea that Mondays are miserable and terrible and we're working for the weekend and blah, blah, blah. And I think we need to be different. We need to be excited about Monday. We need to be fueled up and fired up and, and putting ourselves into the workplace with, with stamina and vigor. And, and like you said, work is redemptive. It absolutely is. It's our obligation of, of giving back, of serving others. And, and I tell people all the time, if your work isn't satisfying, if you're not finding joy in the work that you're doing, pull yeah. the cord, the little bus, you know, I'm an older school. So the bus has always had these little cords next to the window. And when you pulled the cord, it rung a bell and the driver hit the brakes That's right. and you can get off the bus. Yeah, yeah. And you can yeah. find a different bus to get on. And there's too many people that feel like they're stuck and they don't have options. They can there's so many options. You can create so many options in this country. And even now in the middle of a recession, when when all of a sudden it feels like nobody's hiring, they're still hiring. There's still jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McDonald's, I just saw a sign on McDonald's said up to nineteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Good gravy. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's yeah. crazy yeah. to me. Opportunity everywhere. But <laughs> absolutely. It, it, but specifically for the entrepreneur. You know, what what a great creative, redemptive opportunity. So mm. for the entrepreneur, it's a pile of dirt, right? You know, it's not a garden yet. It's just a pile of dirt. And you've got to figure out, you know, what kind of seeds am I going to plant? And how am I, how am I going to fertilize that? And how am I, going to, am I going to grow the best kind of fruit I can grow, the best, best kind of vegetables, right? That's the entrepreneurial walk and experience. And it's full, if you look at my garden, full of weeds. And so we have to battle those weeds every day because as soon as you come up with a good idea, you know, there's, there's always challenges in that entrepreneurial journey, but it is, it is such a, an amazing creative process and the rewards are, uh, are just, just off the charts. So let's talk about the value of purpose in, in guiding that and keeping you on the rails, right? Obviously for many people, the weeds come in and, and they take over the garden and they give up gardening. Yeah. But I think if you have a bigger purpose and you recognize a vision or a destination, right? I mean, scripture says without vision, the people perish. And I think that's right. For entrepreneurs, without without vision, your business dies <laughs> because yeah. you don't yeah. have any idea where you're going. And so yeah. share with me the value of vision in your in your journey and in in and in helping others. Well, so in my experience, you know, I call the difference between uh, mercenaries and patriots, right? So mercenaries are hired, are hired, right, for money to fight. But when when challenges really come, they're going to drop their guns and run. But a patriot often isn't paid, but but fights for a purpose, a much higher purpose. 
and they and they stay to the death. So when I think about team building, when I think about hiring people, when I think about what I'm going to do next, that's going to take a, a big lift. I think about my attitude is, am I really a patriot about this? Do I really have a passion for this? Is there really a mission here? Can I get excited about that? Or am I just doing it because I see, oh, I think I can make some pretty good money here. So when if, 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 if you're a mercenary and you know problems come and challenges come and they will, you know, you just kind of run out of energy pretty quick and you, and you look for an easy way out. Um, so yes, passion, mission, purpose, vision, you know, big words that are easily thrown around, but without those being quantified and kind of understood and kept, you know, kept at, uh, I kept, I guess, kept right at, in your field of vision. When those challenges come, when competition steps in, when you lose a great employee or a partner, when you lose a big deal or you lose a client or you're, you know, for me, when, when my site get, gets hacked again, you know, when those things happen, if you don't have, you know, a, a, a way to step back and say, okay, why am I here again? You know, why did I get up early? Why did I stay up late? Why am I chasing this thing? Why am I just breaking even? Because I have a bigger purpose and a bigger mission. And I have people that I'm, that I'm serving and that will miss me. Hey, so Seth Godin, will they miss you if you're gone? Right. <laughs> so um, there are people out there that will certainly miss me if I'm not in the marketplace doing what I'm doing. So yes, mission, purpose, vision, values, all very, very important. Well, what a great example, mercenaries and patriots. Like I'm, I'm a huge history buff, love war, served in the military. And so that definitely struck a chord and it's like, well, why haven't I been using that? Like that seems so natural. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I'll take the, the TM off that. You you can use it anytime. <laughs> Man. And then of course, Seth Godin's, will they miss you when you're gone? That, in, in ministry, that was always one of the powerful things, you know, and, 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 will they miss the church if the church just disappears? Right. And, yeah, yeah. and, and I, you talked about churches are trying to be relevant and it's just yeah. as important for entrepreneurs to be relevant. And, and, yeah. and the difference I guess is the church can survive a little bit longer in irrelevance because of it, depending on the support structure. Right. And, and, and things get passed by yes. <laughs> for too long. Yes. And, and I think, you know, entrepreneurs quickly find out that they have to be relevant or they will not survive. <laughs> Because That's right. they will get paid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. Awesome. So good. All right. So that was kind of a marketing. We'll, we'll lead into, into marketing. Obviously, you've got a two-sided product, right? I mean, a software product that you, you deploy through churches. That's right. But, but then you serve, you serve two, sets of, two sets of clients through the church, right? The, the job seekers, people looking for jobs. And of course, employers who who want to put you know job applications out there. Um, so so let's talk about the value of marketing and what what your marketing really is about. What's the message that you're really you know putting out there? Well, for uh, well for the church, uh, it, when I'm when I'm speaking to a church, it's it's more about helping them be relevant, but also serving their um, their job seekers in their community that are reaching into the church and saying, "Hey, I need help," you know. Uh, I'm reaching out to church. Uh, I don't know what to do. I can't pay my rent next month. You know, that's I, I've lost my job. And oftentimes the church doesn't have an answer for that other than, you know, maybe supporting them financially. Great. 
uh, but they don't have a way to help them fish, uh, particularly right. around employment, right? So um, it's kind of hit or miss, and most most churches kind of struggle with that. So what, what, what our tool does is it gives a church a place to send job seekers uh, and gives them a, a way to uh, interact with the community that wants to inter interact with them, right? So the job seekers and the employers that are plugging into our sites are self-selecting in. So um, a lot of like-minded, I can't guarantee that a job seeker is a, a, a Christian. I do think they're faith-minded because they're showing up. I can't guarantee an employer is Christian. Actually, there's no such thing. There are people, but right. uh, but I think they're faith-minded because they're at least they certainly see value in engaging with the church uh, to help solve the problem. So um, that's my conversation with with a church um, and what the platform does. And then when I when I reach out to employers, I mean that's you know think about Monster and Indeed and you know CareerBuilder, all those all those companies. You know it everybody's an employer, right? So um, the, uh, it's really hard just to target. So when it comes to sales and marketing, sales is, is me selling to Robert. Marketing is me selling to the world, right? Is messaging. So, um, for a product like ours, it's, it turns out to be more marketing. So that is, you know, I reach out to a lot of HR managers and, um, uh, talent acquisition people all over the country, since we have churches all over the country that are that are doing this. And I give them a way to reach out, you know, to either post jobs at local churches or post post jobs nationally to get that, get that uh, traction with those kind of job seekers. So uh, I, I haven't solved, I haven't, you know, haven't figured out what the silver bullet is in marketing for this. We're trying a lot of different things. Um, but what I'm finding is, although it's, it's, it's time consuming, but the one-to-one, -one, me reaching out to Robert, and asking, telling my story, uh, explaining the value of the job connection, uh, and explaining the ROI to you um, r resonates, right? Splashing an ad is expensive and time consuming. Um, right. But if I can reach out to you directly, although that's slower, it's more effective. Uh, same yeah. thing when I'm marketing to churches, you know, reaching out to the executive pastor, just you know, call them direct email, me to you, not just me to uh, uh, an email blast. Yeah, well, that's so valuable. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower number two dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. I mean, I, I, I assume, and just based on what you're sharing now, the biggest challenge is making sure that once a church is is buying into this and, and using it for their, their congregants, is making sure I've got enough jobs within that 25 mile radius yeah. to make this worthwhile for That's them. Right. <laughs> That's right. So we so, help them with that. We so we help the church kind of get the word out. You know, we have plenty of jobs to have posted on there. So that's that's typically not a problem. Good. Um, but yeah, yeah. But I, I I understand that. I mean, especially for entrepreneurs, they have a similar problem, right? They've got the whole world telling them, well, you need a website. Well, you need SEO. Well, you need you know yeah. to post on Facebook. You need to go live. You need to pay for Facebook ads. You need to <laughs> pay Google ads. You, that's right. That's and right. just 
all these different things. Uh, and I think the reality still is a face-to-face, a handshake, a phone call is goes much yeah. further down the road than any of that stuff that everybody buys into and does because they don't want to pick up the phone. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think you and I, uh, probably Seth Godin fans, uh, um, as well as, um, you know, th- uh, the idea of minimal viable market, right? So focusing in on what's the minimal viable market and not trying to rule the world just yet. So just finding, like, think about, okay, so what I'm doing, minimal viable market, it's just churches. So um, I don't need a lot of churches. I'd love to have them all, but there's 320,000 churches in North America. There's 40,000 in Canada. You know, I have a a fraction of those, Um, but there aren't many people like me or companies like us or software like this that's directing to that minimal viable market. So all I care about, all I want to do is reach those churches. I don't need, you know, I don't need to expand into nonprofits so much or anything else. I'm trying to stay focused on churches, same message. You know, I think there's value in the energy and the momentum of, hey, we've got this curated group of customers uh, and we're providing the same kind of content and we're connecting them, right? So uh, part of what we do is we connect executive pastors and churches that are already spread out all over the country. They have no idea what other churches are doing to help the unemployed. So we connect them right? So they can talk. And so when I, I'm creating a tribe, again, Seth Godin, Tribes, great book, is, you know, how do you create a tribe and then kind of be the curator of content and value to that tribe? And oh, that's so, what we do. So good. Yeah. I mean, and that's the challenge is, is I think so many people are afraid to niche down to that minimum viable group. Yeah. And and the the real value in that isn't what they do as a group it's it's the language that you start using more regularly more consistently and and the language that they hear automatically because it matches it matches up with them right right and then you start attracting that minimum viable group and guess who comes with them the group that's right around them and close by them and so so entrepreneurs need to hear wait it's okay to target you know, all the way down to Nancy who makes exactly this and who does exactly this and, and, and walks her dogs on Tuesdays at two o'clock. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the more narrow that you can, the more narrow that you can nail it down helps your communication. It helps you speak to that client in the language that they're listening to. And, and you attract more people than than you're out there trying to trying to find anybody with a credit card. Right, right. And it's easier to tell the story too, right? So if it, instead of having to think, well, okay, this this is I'm, I'm not talking to a church. I'm talking to a, something else, right? I have to so I have to change my story each time I talk to a different customer, right? If I'm talking to the same, I'll, I'll use tribe of customers that all have the same kind of profile, I can tell the same story. And my and my marketing message compounds, and there's a whole conversation that's going on that I'm unaware of, you know, of those potential customers because one will hear the message and say, "Not for me," but it could be for my friend over at this other, you know, in my case, another church or entity that would, would it would really resound with. So that concentration of similar buyers, similar message, I think is 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 very valuable, especially at the beginning when oh, you're building a company. That's so good. 
Well, and that, and that leads to the idea of authenticity. I think the online space, it's so easy to try to pretend to be somebody else. And, and I think obviously you and I both come from a background where we want to be authentic. We want to put our true selves out there. Um, but it, it, the church world is also known for, you know, people putting on a, yeah, <laughs> putting right. on a, a, a Sunday suit and, and a Sunday appearance and, and not being the same character, not being the same person that they are during the week. So in your yeah. business experience, how valuable is character and, and, what do you recommend for somebody who's struggling in, yeah. in character? Well, um, uh, the first part of that is character. Uh, character only shows up over time, right? So you could have great character, but no one's going to see it on day one. It's <laughs> it's the same character that shows up for year after year. And then and that's when trust begins. And that's irreplaceable. You cannot replace that. Uh, so the consistency, continuity of always showing up. Um, is extremely important. So in a world where people want to get rich quick or they want solutions quick or they want the e easy road, right? Um, you might get lucky and, you know, strike a deal, but over time, that's where the real value is. So, uh, so when it comes to character, I think character is built over time and it's, and it's valued uh, from the outside more and more over time, hardly ever on day one. Hmm. What was the second part of that bit? That second part of that? Oh, someone struggling with, with character. Um, you know, I can only look, Robert, I can only go back to the gospel on that. Right. <laughs> so character is founded in the, is found in the gospel. It's the truth, right. And character is built on truth, not on pithy ideas or, or things that just feel good. Um, you know, building your life on, on a rock like Christ. And that's where character comes from. And, you know, and then the 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 way that you get through the hard times where character is built, right, is through that faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's there's my gospel for the day. But there's there's real um, there's real, I would say, worldly value in that, that um, as you walk through trials and tribulations where you you learn from, you know, hard knocks, that's where character is built. You know. Well, and I and I think yeah. So I, I think that I agree with you wholeheartedly. Love, love. Obviously, you know, having a relationship with the Lord is is foundational, um, and and character is is how you show up in that adversity. Yes, and it's and it's interesting. For, for me, it's it's you know, acting above the line of courage, what I would call the line of courage, acting in the positive emotional states you know, the majority of the time, finding joy, peace, love, all the, all the fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and recognizing that those negative um, emotions, grief, shame, yeah. Uh, yeah. guilt, and, and all those, those are symbols. Those are signs that, that something's wrong and that, and that you need to make a change that, that something's going on. And, and that's not to say that bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things do but good people react differently than, than, than bad people. Right. And, yeah. and, and so for me, it's, it's that level of responsibility and, and I absolutely trust in the Lord, but I'm still responsible for, for my actions and my behaviors and, and how I face, how I show up in the world and, and helping people see that, right. God loves me regardless of how I show up in the world, but in my love for him, 
I want to do the very best and I want to show up as my very best self when I show up in the world. And, yeah, and I, that means acting. That means, you know, owning, owning the things that I can own, right? How I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I treat my partners, how I treat people in business. All of those are reflections yeah. of my character that, that I choose to act, you know, right. in those, in those higher emotions. Yeah. And I, yeah. I choose to try not to, you know, to, not control my anger to recognize that if, if I feel anger, that there's something going on inside of me that's saying, Ooh, something's not right. What's going yeah. on in Robert. Yeah. That's not, and, and deal with that. And that's, you know, development of emotional intelligence. And, and it's important in every structure, whether you have a faith background or not, right. You need to have some emotional intelligence to deal with other people and how you show up in the world. Yeah. Um, but I'll yeah. tell you that there's a lot more happening above the line where you're responsible for yourself than below yeah. the line where you're a victim and, the world's happening to you and God hates you. That's a really convenient excuse. You know, Oh God just doesn't love me. He hates me. I'm a sinner, blah, blah, blah. Made all these excuses for all the things that they're doing and they just continue to do poorly yeah. in the yeah. world. Yeah. You know, the tough thing about character is there, there are like no short-term wins, right? So <laughs> there are not when you're living with, when you're living one with, day, to, one day at a time. We yes. talk about <laughs> yes, and it's like nobody sees it except you on day on except you on day one, right? So when you when you do something hard and it's sacrificial, nobody really sees it, and nobody cares. But over time, you know, people see the value of character because of the consistency and the selflessness that that is a result of building character. So that's what that's what makes it so hard to kind of do that over. And some people just take the short short way out, right? So. I've always believed that it's easy, it's easy to be get to get rich. It's just what are you willing to do to 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 sell your you know sell your time, yourself, your your cares, your morality, whatever you want to call it. It's easy. Anybody can get rich, um, but it's kind of it's doing what you know God has called us to do. And whether we get rich or not, it's we're in God's sovereign hand. So well, there's there's tons of forms of wealth, first of all, and, and and financial wealth is only part of it, but relational wealth is far more valuable. Oh, yeah. And and how you choose the great thing I think about the kingdom is that you can choose to to get financial wealth by serving other people, by helping more people. And and it and it can be win-win situations where where everybody benefits. You're not you're not taken away from anybody else. You're adding value to them. You're receiving financial value in return, and and everybody is benefiting. It's it it really there is a place in this world where everybody wins. It and, and you know some people in the cutthroat corporate world would tell you, oh that's not possible, or if they have a scarcity mindset, they they think you know there's this yeah. these all these limitations on it. But I, I simply just don't believe it. And one of my best examples is my daughter was trying to get her son to hug me and my grandson to give me a hug. And, and she's running over saying, I'm going to, I'm going to take grandpa's hug. I'm going to take his hug. Yep. And, and, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's not only one hug. There's an <laughs> unlimited number of hugs. As long as I'm breathing air, there's hugs available. And so there's an abundance right. of hugs. And, and for me, it was all right. Now I see it. I see how easily we can jump into scarcity and we use scarcity yeah. as a, as a tactic, as a tool, as a, as a limitation. And, and I want to tell people, look, God's love is unlimited. God's desire for us to experience abundance is unlimited. And all he's asking us to do is take care of each other. So That's if right. you've got a product or service or, or skill that takes care of other people, 
you will be blessed if you use it to take care of other people. And, yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what entrepreneurship is. It's exactly what good ministry is. And, and it really can be done in a way that, that creates this wave of abundance that causes more, right? Yeah. And that's the great yeah. thing about abundance is we can invest it into other ministries and into other services that all just continues to create more. So I, you know, so a practical part of that is building in uh, extra capacity in your time, in your product, in your in your profits, right? To be able to respond in those situations where maybe you're giving it away. Um, so it, for in my software business, you know, I can give it away if I want to. So it really doesn't cost me much, except um, you know some some bandwidth or some you know server uh, space. So if a church, if I find a church that kind of needs the platform, can't afford it, I can give it to them if I want to. And so it, it allows me, um, gives me capacity to be generous. So I would encourage an entrepreneur that when you're, when you're building a company, building a service, whatever that is, that you don't live it so razor thin on the margin, that there's something that you can give, give away when the opportunity comes up. Oh, so valuable. So let's talk about... The, the value of contribution and, and generosity in in this journey. And, and I love that looking at it that way, build in the capacity to to give and to, to bless others. And 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 that doesn't have to be your church or, or a ministry thing. That can just be your employees even, yeah. right? Giving, you know, buying them all lunch, giving them, you know, taking care of their family when 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 a crisis hits. I mean, there's so many opportunities to to give and to bless others beyond the normal you know, expectations. And, and that's what giving really is, right? It's, it doesn't have to be sacrificial. It can be planned. <laughs> it, you know, exactly. I plan my tithe, my wife and I plan our tithe. We've been doing that, you know, for, for 30 plus years that we've been married and, and anything that's above that, you know, we have opportunities to, to give above that. And, and we love to create that. And so I love it that, you know, in your company, build in the extra capacity to, to right. give when when the opportunity presents itself, that is that is an yeah. outstanding plan, yeah. um, and and all companies should have that, regardless of faith, regardless yeah. of That's right. it's, this is not a, this is this is a, well I'm going to say it's a spiritual law, but it is it's just a law a universal law it's a natural law that that giving putting money out into the world putting your time talent and treasure out into the world for free brings it back around. It puts it into the flow and it causes that flood and, and money flows like spirit. Money is a very spiritual tool and very few people start to recognize that and see it that way. But even, even Jesus talked about the you know, parable of the talents. He talked about putting it out there, putting it to use. And the one guy that buried it, he said, the least, the least you could have done is put it in the bank. So it earned interest. Yeah. And he yeah. wants the money to go to work, put the money to work. It's designed to work. It's a tool. The tool doesn't do any good stuck in the toolbox. You got to take it out of there and put that, put it to work. So I love that. So yeah, thank you for, yeah. for sharing that. How has giving been beneficial for you and your company, for you and your family? Uh, I'm sorry. Re re say that again. How is giving? Being yeah. Generosity? Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I struggle with it, right? So um, when, when times are tough at the Smith house, sometimes <laughs> I really struggle with being generous. Um We've been, um, I think we've been generous. I think we sometimes get challenged with, you know, we've got financial pressures here. I got three in college and, you know, uh, starting this company on the side. And uh, my wife has her own business. 
So I, I would be less than honest if I said I'm, you know, always more than generous and I'm above the tithe. Uh, but um, trying to stay consistent and faithful to that. Uh, the, the capacity thing is, I think, is a big deal. I'm trying to find more capacity in my life where not only in, in work, where I can um, make time for the unexpected, where I can be generous and unencumbered to help someone or or a company solve a problem without expecting to get paid. And also I try to, I'm trying to build that into my personal life where I can be available if someone just shows up unexpected. And I know these, these days in our, in our world, we don't like any unplanned minutes. You know, we make sure that my calendar is blocked for a reason. These are, this is my work time. This is my play time. This is my family time. And this is my, and I'm sleeping after that. So um, it's it's hard to kind of bake in some capacity for generosity and availability. Um, and I'm trying to do that. But, you know, the funny thing is, is like, well, you know, I'm trying to bake in availability in exchange for what? Well, actually nothing. It's just nothing time. You get nothing for that. You're supposed to leave uh, it open so I, that, you know, if I, someone I, needs I, you, you're there. Like, yeah, but I, I think I think. I think the idea of, of it's nothing time comes from a, a a pretty narrow view of our time, right? Or so tightly, so tightly controlling our yes. time. When man, if you've got space in your in your capacity, I love that 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 phrase. If you've got capacity, so that when you walk to the mailbox and you see the neighbor, that you can not just you know wave, that you can actually yeah. say hi and have a conversation and and find oh, out yeah. how they're doing. Man, there's there's so much value in that, and 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 people are just longing to be listened to and have an opportunity yeah. to tell their story. And, and if you don't have the capacity for yeah. some listening, that capacity applies to their kids. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're, they're, they're working at home. They're sitting at their desk. They're there 40 hours and maybe 45, maybe 50. And, and every time the kid comes up and pulls on their shirt sleeve and says, says now mommy can now daddy, can we do something? And, and, and we turn to him and we say, Oh, just busy. Well, we're just busy. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. We, we got to stop being busy because busy is a waste of, of whatever and say, no, you know what? This Zoom call goes until until two o'clock and at two o'clock, I got 10 minutes. We're plugging it in. We're doing something awesome and yeah. and and have that capacity because you're right. Generosity of our time is probably far more challenging for most people than generosity with their money. Yeah, there's so much pressure in, in life to, to optimize, right? Mm. You got to optimize all your time. And listen, you know, Robert, that's funny. I, you know. There'll be times when I know I've got mail outside and I, I can see from here. And if a neighbor's outside, I'm like, I'm just going to grab the mail and get back in because I got to get on a call. I've got to do something. Right. Or I know my neighbor's going to occupy 30 minutes of my time if they catch me. You know, I, I you know, I have the same kind of uh, challenges. I think the rest of the world does. And it's it's. Um, uh, uh, and today, more than ever, our neighbors need to be heard. Yeah. Right. And so why why can't we just bake in that 30 minutes and just plan it? Right. Man, I got to get up 30 minutes earlier because I know I'm going to talk at that mailbox for 30 minutes and yes. and, and make that happen. Because it, on the one hand, it feels like, oh, that's that's just it just doesn't fit any of my categories for scheduling. Right. Yeah. But on the other hand, it adds so much value. Yeah. To, hey, so a, a real practical, uh, a real practical response to that is a book called The Common Rule. Hmm. which is a fantastic book, but it, it gives, especially in the age of distraction and technology. So uh, gives some great um, suggestions around how to manage your phone. 
um, because your phone is not neutral, right? It is, <laughs> it is fighting for your time. And there are people that are being paid, you know, billions of dollars to make sure that that phone is not neutral. So, um, and there's a lot of technology and science behind that to distract you. So there's, um, it's a, it's a great book about, you know, spending time with, uh, scheduling time with people for meals, scheduling time without your phone, you know, scheduling time to be available, to be one-on-one with people. So, um, just a real practical approach to how to manage some of that, you know, demand for optimized life. So the common rule I highly recommend. I've listened. I've listened to it probably four or five times. So good. Just just the recognition that your phone is not neutral. That yes. your phone your phone is being paid to get your attention. Absolutely. And yeah. And the more attention you give it, <laughs> the more it will get paid to to yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think you know one of the things I encourage people to do is is be very intentional about you know, this, about what you allow into it. You know, I encourage people to stop watching the news. I encourage you, trust me, if it's really important, you'll find out. Yeah. It will it will get to you. Trust me. They, right. they There's so much, it's so overwhelming. But our news is just this constant stream of disaster and oh, 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 the world, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. and you just, your brain is not made for that. Our brains are still in in caveman mode for the most part, especially when it comes to survival. And, right, right. and when our brain hears all these messages, it starts dumping adrenaline to, to protect us. It starts dumping adrenaline to fight the lion outside. Yeah. Well, the truth is there is no lion outside. And so we don't need all that adrenaline dumped into our system for no reason. And, and when you turn those things off, you can start experiencing the yeah. chemicals of joy and the chemicals of those positive Fruits of the spirit I mentioned earlier, you know, joy, peace, love, all, all of those things come from, you know, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins yeah. that our body's designed to give us. But yeah. we're so distracted by the anxiety and stress of the world that we're in fight and flight mode 90% of the time and don't even realize it. Well, you know, um, coming back to the kind of vision, purpose, mission, um, over time, I've realized that I can't solve everybody's problems. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, but I know there's there's this lane in my life that I'm really pretty good at, I think. And so I try to focus on if I if I if I'm gonna be helpful, if I'm gonna you know add value, if I can love someone well, it's kind of in my lane, right? So um, there are a lot of there are a lot of challenges in in my community, in my world that unless God kind of calls me and equips me to do that. Um, I think he's equipped me. It called me, equipped me in this lane. And, you know, I'm going to run down this lane as fast as I can. Um, follow me a call. I think God has already given me. And, and there's a lot of noise that's going to distract me from that, but I can't even do this one mission. If I, if I get distracted with all the other things I'm trying to solve and I can't, I just can't do that. So I'm, I'm prayerful that God has called other people to these other lanes. Um, not that I'm neglecting them or avoiding them. It's, it's, he's called me here and this is where I'm going to run until he tells me otherwise. Well, that, and that's so powerful. I think so many people get overwhelmed by so much stuff and 99% of it, they have no control over or no responsibility for. (laughs) <laughs> and so they're getting themselves all wound up over things that are just completely outside of their purview, outside of their lane. And, and it is, it's absolutely a big distraction. Of course, it's slowing them down. Um, 
you know, it's interesting, Steve Harvey, and obviously Steve Harvey's a comedian and, yeah, and yeah. talk show or you know game show host, but he made the statement that the devil has one job, and it's to distract you from your God-given purpose, and mm-hmm. and if you found your purpose. And then find out all these other things are just pulling you away from your purpose. You know, that's that's the devil. He's he's distracting you with all this chaos to to stop you from running down your lane. Right. Um, and so that's so powerful to recognize. Look, I got I got this lane and God's called me to this. And I got to trust that God's calling yeah. other people to take care of, you know, that's- Ukraine and all these other things that are going on because I can't I. I have no influence. I, I, those lanes, I have no power, right? I have no voice. I yeah. don't know anybody that's working over there. I can't give them a call and say, hey, let's fix this. You know, if God wants me to fix that, he's going to make all those things happen. He's going to yeah. give me the relationships. He's going to give me the connections. He's going to give me the responsibility. And he's going to give yeah. me the calling that says, dude, this is it. This is your thing. And you're going to wake up passionate about it. And you're going to start making those connections to make a difference in that place. Well, Robert, that's the body, that's the body of Christ at work, right? So Ooh. Well, Hope so. If, you know, if I'm if I'm a screwdriver, right? Please don't use me as a hammer. Right. Uh, but or I'm a pry bar really, doesn't work. That's right. I'm a really good screwdriver. So, but that you know that I think that's a healthy, you know, healthy view of the body of Christ is. Look, I I, I can I can give my money to Ukraine. I can give my money to a lot of different things, and and I do, um, if I can, right? But with my time and my talents, you know, my treasure. Most of it goes in the lane that I think God has called me to. Well, and even in your giving, you, your giving could get spread out so thin versus versus being able to make significant contributions to significant things. Like I could give a penny to every every ministry that I've fallen in love with. Yeah. <laughs> but but the truth is I can focus on the one or two that my wife and I are committed to, and I can make significant contributions that'll make a difference for that right. ministry. Right. Um, and so and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. I can count on other people to make a difference in in the other ministries that they've been called to. So that's so powerful. Yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit, Bruce. What, okay. what was your favorite, your most memorable date with your wife? Oh my gosh, uh, uh, it might be when um, uh, when I asked her to marry me. So there you go. Uh, yeah, so try to make a long story short. You know, my my roommate at the time was a pilot. Um, I had extra. That's convenient. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I had a coupon for a free tuxedo because the one I used the month before was ruined. Uh, so I got a tuxedo. I got some flowers. I got my roommate to fly us to St. Simon's Island. And check this out. Uh, uh, we went down to down to the beach. And as uh, as I was starting, as I proposed to her on St. Simon's, uh, fireworks started coming up from Jekyll Island, which was pretty crazy, which I had nothing to do with, but, uh, uh, we were able to enjoy that. And then fast forward, Robert, check this out. Fast forward nine months later, I went to this Knights of Columbus meeting, right? Knights of Columbus. I have nothing to do with them. Somebody dragged me along for some luncheon and I'm sitting there eating rubber chicken, you know, listening to the treasurer talk about their annual meeting that they had in Jekyll Island that was capped off by fireworks. And I raised my hand and I said, I just want to thank you for the fireworks that you displayed at my, you know, what I 
proposed to my wife. So anyway, oh, that's funny. You that's said nine. You, you said nine months, and other things passed through my mind. Like nine no, months no. later, like uh oh. <laughs> no, no, it was fireworks. Anyway, so that was uh, that's my best date ever. Very good. That's pretty good. All right, Bruce, what's the big dream? The big dream. Wow. You should have told me before you're going to ask these questions, Robert. Uh, no, no time to you. No time to make it up. You just yes. got to go with what your heart says. Yeah. The big dream, um, I would say, at least around um, kind of my passion and mission in, in, in career ministry, is really figuring out a way where the church can be more impactful in kind of in work and just work. Right. So uh, the role I'm playing now is, is a, just a, a very practical part of that, helping people get jobs, helping employers find people. That's, that's a very tangible, practical thing that we're, we're working on. But the bigger vision, the bigger purpose, the bigger dream is really speaking the, the biblical truth about work into people's lives so that the work that they're doing is more rewarding, more fulfilling, more God honoring, more redeeming. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like and how to get there, I haven't figured that out yet, but uh, we're on the road. Nice. So good. All right, Bruce, you spend an hour with a young entrepreneur having coffee and you're going to leave him with Bruce's words of wisdom. What would you share? Um, <laughs> Robert, you're killing me here. Oh, um, you're doing great. You're great. <laughs> Um, you know, I would, uh, uh, for, for a young entrepreneur, I'd say be all in, right? So, you know, figure out what it is that you're trying to do, figure out, you know, who you're trying to impact, why you're trying to impact and the change you're trying to make, right? If you can quantify that and you think you've got a way to do that, be all in and, and just, you know, and make it happen until, until the world shuts you down. Uh, uh -huh. So um, that's, yeah, that would be my, my encouragement. Perfect. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate all the wisdom and conversation and, and even the surprise answers. <laughs> you bet, Robert. Great, uh, great, uh, great to spend this time with you. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Marissa Shadrick and Robert discuss building a business, facing fear, and telling stories that matter. In a world full of noise, it is important that entrepreneurs be willing to share their unique stories and find their people, the people they can serve naturally and easily and help get the most effective results.